The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. The following podcast may contain discussions supported by science that may be considered dangerous to some listeners and conspiracy theorists. Discretion is advised. The Three Down Greencast is brought to you by the Pile of Bones Brewing Company. Home delivery available in Regina at sassbeerdelivery.ca. Welcome to the Three Down Greencast. You are listening to the internet's only Fuck Them podcast. <laughs> I was wondering if you'd go there so early, and you did, and I'm, a, I'm, I'm here for it. That's a quote, so it's fine. I'm Joel Gasson <laughs> with John Fraser as usual. And yes, it's uh, it's probably the most interesting moment in the CFL this season, bar yes. none. Yep. And I mean, it's not a very high bar to clear, but it is still, it's the moment I think at least us on this podcast have been waiting for. There's something so hilariously dumb and ridiculous in so many different ways. There's so much to unpack on the start of the second half of that yes. game between the Riders and the Elks that we're just going to get right into this right away. We are going to talk about... Sort of the game in general, uh, the stuff Craig Dickinson had to say after the game. Uh, you know, who, who should they shit, sit and who should they rest? Sorry, a little bit of Freudian slip there. And, <laughs> of course, we're going to talk a little bit as well about the Arkells uh, doing the, unsurprisingly, doing the half game, half Ooh, game yeah. show, halftime show on uh, for the Great Cup in Hamilton. But, yes, if for some reason you missed it. <laughs> and I don't know how you did. Like, this was, <laughs> as you said, this was one of the first moments that was kind of all over sports Twitter from the CFL this year, including a great job from our friend Greg on sports at the uh, Piffles podcast, mm-hmm. who turned it into a Canadian heritage moment. Cause that, that is exactly, if only there was some way to, to, to line it up with my heart will go on mm-hmm. a Canadian heritage moment being created out of it is like the second best thing that could happen to you on the internet. Yes. Yeah, so at the start of the second half, um, for the first time when I think I've ever seen watching a lot of football in my life, a timeout was called before the opening kickoff. Um, yeah, I've I've never seen it at any level. Craig like, Dickinson, I've, I've, I've watched a lot of high school and like junior yeah. and youth sports football. It's Craig Dickinson said after the game he he's never had to do that. Uh, we'll get into sort of the specifics of what led to that in a second, but <laughs> and more evidence as to why you should avoid a certain food group. Yeah. So what happened was. So, like, the TSN camera is still showing Cody Fajardo warming up on the sidelines. That's how far away we are from kickoff still. Yep. And obviously it was at the point, though, where the players had to be on the field. They just weren't showing it yet. And so you hear uh, the ref Tom Balassi come on, and he's like, timeout Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan has called a timeout. Let's pause for a second. Fuck them. <laughs> so I guess he left his mic on or another I picked him up or something, because I, I didn't quite hear it in the stadium. Like, most of us in the press box didn't even know the writers had called the timeout before the kickoff. 
Right. So we kind of saw it show up in the stats, and we we're like, huh, they call a timeout because they because I mean, at, on the Max Tron, they actually show the number of timeouts on like on TSN. Right. And so the Riders were Which down one. Yeah. So and they were down with timeout at the start of the second half, and then it was like, oh yeah, they did call a timeout, and then the video started popping up on Twitter, and <laughs> this thing just took off like wildfire and. <laughs> It is fantastic because, I mean, the context of it seems weird. Like, it sounds like Velocity is saying, fuck you to the riders for calling this timeout. But, I mean, really, uh, it's, it's, there could be any kind of thing going on on the field right now, and we don't really know. I don't really know what led to it. I, uh, we're probably never really going to get the full story of why he said what he said then. But uh, I'm glad he did because it was, it was so dumb and wonderful. Now, now in fairness, <laughs> as a former official myself... Mm-hmm. I have seen some hockey teams do some dumb shit. Yeah. And your instant reaction is to say something like, oh, fuck them. Like, it's just, yeah. it's it's almost like this is so indescribably stupid that the only way to describe this, to, to you know, get your feelings out about it is to, you know, generally quietly say to yourself, oh, fuck them. Like, it, like it, you're, you're so angry about it that you just, you let that out and you let it fly, right? So, yeah. um... <laughs> So I, I can't blame him for saying it now. No, I, I, I mean, I mean, this kind of stuff happens all the time. Oh, and 100%. I'm, I'm, I'm honestly over. Like I know lots of people do it. My wife has done it sometimes still too. Where like, you know, the mic somewhere. You know, generally the big parabolic mic, like that big disc, picks up a lot yep. of stuff from the players, and you hear them swearing every once in a while, and people are like, oh my god, they're swearing on TV, and like it's a live sporting event. This stuff happens. Like, it's a word. Can we just get over it? Like, like, okay, these players, you know. The broadcasters and everything shouldn't be constantly swearing just for the hell of it. Like, I understand those standards and blah, 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 blah. Right. But if at a live event you happen to pick up a swear word, it's not the end of the world. Especially that one that isn't really derogative toward anyone in particular. It is just a word. It is not offensive to any group or people. So let's just... No. That's just, I mean, you can be... I understand people or some people are offended by it, but it is not degrading to any one specific person. So No, and it's not like he said, fuck you, Craig, or fuck you, Cody. It wasn't directed even at anybody. It no. was, as I said, the minute I saw it, I, we were on a staycation on Saturday night, so I saw it later than most people did. Uh, and when I watched the video, I'm like, oh, 100%. You're officiating. <laughs> the team has done something stupid. You drop it. You don't mean for it to be heard. You're kind of meaning to say it under your breath, and it gets picked up, and that that kind of shit happens from time to time, right? Mm-hmm. Now, afterwards, though, and this, this. This is where the story gets even better, yes. It's so much better, especially for a running theme on this podcast, <laughs> that Craig Dickinson basically said he thought some guys were still in the bathroom. Yeah, so like basically Craig said he didn't have 12 guys on the field yet. Right. He, well, so there, he weren't, had to there weren't the enough. Timeout. Even though, like in my head, I'm like, I mean, you could probably cover a kickoff with 11 guys, but regardless. Right. Right. <laughs> and and you wanted your certain kickoff yeah. team out there. It's not like you're going to slap somebody on the butt and say, yeah. "Get out there." So, only to find out though that Craig Dickinson tipped his hand and not just said, "This isn't a Roberto Luongo situation where one guy was in the bathroom." Mm-hmm. He said a bunch of guys were in the bathroom. So this leads us. To the ultimate question, Joel. <laughs> As you have informed me, there is a subway very close to Mosaic Stadium. Yeah, it's it's in it's basically by the Connexus, the soccer field, the Connexus, whatever the hell they call it. Yeah. And it seems like to me something that people would normally get for a pregame meal. You know, it's it's healthy, it's got some sodium in it. It's it's the kind of thing you'd like. But they made one crucial mistake. They almost certainly got the lettuce. As we have said on this podcast, and if you're new to this podcast, 
Uh, I made an offhand comment about how Subway lettuce has given me the shits for years. Like, <laughs> get the Subway lettuce, you got the shits. It always happens. So I switched to spinach, and the shits went away. And I think that related to more people than I ever <laughs> thought it would. Like, and it's come up in so many more situations in oh, both the CFL yes. and in life since we've made that comment that I don't think any of us ever expected. <laughs> did I just phrase or curse everybody's bowels? <laughs> like, did that happen? Like, I, if you're, I was, if, I was if you're backed up, you're welcome, by the way. If you're not regular right now, just thank John for that. <laughs> Just go get yourself some Subway lettuce and you'll be you'll be you'll be just fine. So oh the only God. rational explanation is that at some point, whether it was pregame or during halftime, see, I think it's a pregame meal because the Subway lettuce is like a slow killer. Yeah, it's the kind of killer that's like it's like a poison. Not saying the Subway is poison because I don't want to get sued on this podcast, but <laughs> you get the lettuce and it's not a like instant, you know, oh my God, I've just had some fast food. My stomach doesn't feel so good. It's like four or five hours later, drop what you're doing as you begin profusely sweating and out it comes. So I feel like somebody had Subway pregame and was supposed to be on that kickoff return team. And it might've been several of them because Greg Dickinson said there was multiple people (laughs) in the can. So might want to change pregame meals there, Saskatchewan. Or if you want to stay with Subway, get the spinach. The spinach is the key. Spinach is always the key. It's got more it's, protein. It's, too, right? I mean, it actually tastes like something too compared to lettuce. Right, lettuce is just there to give you the shits. What what what, what Subway really needs is arugula because that stuff actually has flavor. Oh yeah, that's that would be a game changer for Subway. So I mean, no one from Subway is listening, I'm sure. But if you are, or if you know someone from Subway, tell them to get arugula. Or if you're from most of the rest of the world, rocket. But it. but just just don't like put it in don't store it in the same way you store the lettuce because something horribly horribly goes wrong there <sighs> so things didn't go horribly wrong for the riders hey and uh we will talk about their win over the elks and them clinching a home playoff game for the third year in a row uh talk a little bit about what they should do in hamilton and of course the halftime show coming up at the gray cup with the arkells that john is very excited about Woo-hoo! but before we get into all that as usual for the pile of bones brewing company john what is in the glass this week? Well, in the glass this week, I decided I was doing a little staycation, State of the Sheraton in Saskatoon, which kudos to them. As far as the hotels we looked at in Saskatoon, and, and, and we didn't look at too many, they're the only hotel that requires proof of vaccination for their visitors. If you want to use the pool or, or anything like that, right? I believe, if I recall correctly from what Lacey told me, uh, just to stay there, you need proof of vaccination. And I can tell you that place was slammed with people. So we had a little staycation, uh, which means I'm down by the pool a lot. I kind of tricked my own brain into thinking it's summer. The fact I walk around in flip-flops all the time, going back and forth to the pool. So I bought myself my favorite summer beer, the Pile of Bones White IPA. What can be said that hasn't been said? It's delicious. It's maybe nutritious. Doesn't contain lettuce. And it tastes good in your face, especially when you're pretending that you're on a staycation. I had... Well, you were on a staycation. You just... It wasn't a summer staycation. Right. I was just doing that thing where basically you bubbled yourself in the hotel and you don't leave until the next day. And even, like, it's funny. They have an underground parkade at the Sheraton. So (laughs) it's not until I actually, like, got out of my car to pick up the dog from doggy daycare that I went, oh, yeah, it's not summer anymore. This was part yeah. of the illusion. It was a magical part of the illusion, and I highly recommend you do the same. Hmm. For me, uh, I guess I am at the other end of the spectrum. 
Uh, after the game yesterday on the way back, I stopped in at our friends at the Rebellion Brewing Company, and I filled up a growler of their new, that's only on tap there, the Chocolate Coconut Stout. So, oh, wow. It's a nice that, that, ch- that sounds right up your alley. Yeah, too. so it's like a nice sort of chocolate stout, which doesn't actually have any chocolate in it. It's the way they work the, the ingredients to make it kind of chocolatey uh, with real coconut in it. Not super coconutty, so it's not like coconut in the face. It just got, kind of gives it like sort of a nice little nutty undertone mm. to it. So Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Pretty Sounds late, pretty almost, fairly light on the dark end beer style. Pretty easy drinking, good stuff. Yeah, almost sounds like something I would enjoy. You probably would actually. Yeah, yeah. As as not a dark beer kind of guy, unless it's you know third day of a bond spiel and we need lots of cold brew Americano stuff because <laughs> I need caffeine and alcohol in me at simultaneously the same time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the Riders are Holstein their third straight playoff game this year. Uh, it will be against the Calgary Stampeders, and it will be on November 26th. And, yeah, so they did it. And and we can silence everybody and some mm. of our own co-compadres here from Three Down Nation that were giving the riders shit about selling tickets maybe before they clinched. Listen, they were going to probably win one of the last two games, and who cares? You can always credit things. Guys, Yeah, it's okay. They oh, won. Yeah. They did the job. They did not ticket sales curse themselves because the Fraser curse. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, the the Fraser curse came in a few weeks ago when you said they're going to go one and four, and they've promptly won every game since. Yes, that that is exactly <laughs> it. So that the Fraser curse overrules anything you can possibly do, and now next week is just a meaningless week for them. But yes, they got the job done, mm-hmm. and it wasn't as bad as other weeks? Question mark. No, like I, I think it's safe to say that you could see a bit of an upward tick in this game. I'm yes. not going to say it was a trend. I'm not going to say that it should be, you know, you should be over the moon with the performance if there aren't things to work on. And it kind of caught my attention after the game where Craig Dickinson said, quite bluntly, that they need to be better figuring the playoffs. And I don't necessarily disagree with him. He's right. right. Like, you, you can always be better, and you should always be better. And they are still a very beatable team at this point, but... I left that game on Saturday night feeling a little more optimistic about their chances than I did previously the week before in a, another close win over right. Edmonton. And, no, most certainly. And I think it's because we saw some signs of life from the offense. They had a couple of good quick touchdowns in the first half. And, this, and that's at the point where if they were playing better and they were a better team at this point, that's when they would have run up the score and kind of ran away with this game and just does not let Edmonton have any life. Instead, they did their thing where they let teams back into it. But regardless, we didn't never really saw that for a few, number of weeks before that, where they were able to sustain a couple of drives in a row, put 14 points on the board quick, and make you think that the offense is capable of making a move when they have to. Right. And I think they also closed out the game fairly well as well. You know, I mean, William Powell wasn't used a lot early on in the game, but he kind of, they fed him late. And he made some big plays for them there. So I think those are some positive signs. I think overall you can kind of see, you can see a bit of a blueprint now for the success of what they need to do in order to beat Calgary and Winnipeg to reach the Grey Cup. Because mm-hmm. you, you you can see and you can feel that Duke Williams is starting to be more than just a special teamer at this point. <laughs> and... Which again, I love I love the line in a three donation <laughs> article was was introducing him as onside kick recovery specialist Duke yes. Williams. Like <laughs> like they're not paying him a boatload of money no. to catch the ball. Like it was just it was well done. I will give you kudos for that. I it mm. it, it, it made me laugh pretty hard. 
Because, yeah, he had 146 yards, which is the most out of any rider receiver this year. Granted, most of it came, I think, on two or three plays. But regardless, you you can co- sort of start to see the big playability between him and Cody Fajardo picking up a little bit. I think Fajardo's game overall was better than we've seen recently. Mm-hmm. There was less sort of, uh, you know, there were, the throws were more on point. There was less sort of groan-worthy play calling from Jason Maas. So I, th- I think it was all sort of coming together a little bit. It just needs to be tightened up a little bit. And I think you can see what they can do there because I think ultimately they're not going to be a team that puts 55 points on the board and blows these, you know, just kind of boat boat races the other team out of the building. That's just not what's going to happen here. That's just not how they're built. It's not how they play. But there is enough there. And I think if they can fine tune a little bit in the playoff game, it's going to be tough because we're going to talk in a little bit. I don't think a lot of guys should play next week. So it's going to be tough to maybe do that, at least in game setting. But you also have two weeks now to prepare for that playoff game with those right. guys. And if they can get just enough out of the offense, because we've been talking about it, like they're on the cusp of it. They were hanging around that 20-point mark for so long, where I think just another five to seven points out of that unit is enough for them to win football games. And we saw that on Saturday. Yeah, absolutely we did. This was, to me, watching it uh, in the little bits and pieces I did over the weekend, and then again today watching it on the PVR. This is the first game that I can confidently say it didn't look like the offense had regressed from some of their early season highs. This was the first game that I I saw a lot of the things that that we liked early in the season. Again, yeah. Cody being accurate, using the run game. Uh, Duke Williams is basically the new Shaq Evans. I mean, just bigger and meaner and tougher, I would say. And that is not a dig at Shaq Evans. It's no. just the reality is Duke Williams is a real big real fast receiver that you basically can't play press coverage against, right? So uh, it was, yeah, I, I I liked a lot of the things they did. I thought that Edmonton and and maybe that Craig Dickinson, you know, you, you never want your team, especially a flawed one like the Riders, to be giving themselves pats on the back for the entire, you know, two weeks now after this victory. But I thought Edmonton really raised their level of play, mm-hmm. and I thought Saskatchewan did as well. Like, that was just a much better football game as a whole by both teams mm-hmm. and a spicy take I've kind of been holding on to for the past few weeks and that is sure to doom his career now is I think long-term Cornelius is going to be a better quarterback than both Cody Fajardo and the presumptive start of starter in Edmonton next year Nick Arbuckle I think he just so effortlessly effortlessly throws such a good deep ball he's a big guy he can run a little bit when he needs to I there's a lot of things I've liked out of watching Cornelius and he's got mm-hmm. a fun name uh over the past <laughs> which is really years. all that always matters really right no 100 percent. that's like number one for me but um to put up three passing touchdowns and complete 60 70 percent of your passes against this rider defense which has been the lifeblood of this team which is arguably I'd probably say the second to third best in the league, definitely behind Winnipeg. Um, To see the things he did, I'm looking at him and going, you know what? We like Cody. We like Cody's personality. But I think Cornelius has a bigger upside if just his sheer size and arm strength doesn't make him a career NFL backup. Yeah, I I mean, Cody's a proven commodity at this point, so we'll have to see. But I, I, I don't disagree kind of with sort of the, the crux of your argument here because I, you know, I had the thought in the middle of that game was, okay, was, maybe Jamie Elizondo was right about Taylor Cornelius. That, right. Because, I mean, we all kind of laughed at him the first few games and the way that, that kind of went. But 
that was a pretty good game from him this week on the road in a hostile environment against a good defense. He's showing some things. Will yeah. it be sustainable long term? I don't know. Who knows what's going to happen? I don't. I don't think Nick Arbuckle is going to see the field for them this year. There's no point. Let him start no, fresh in training camp next year. Because I mean, who knows next year if they're even have the same coaching staff and system? So I mean, who knows what's actually it's actually going to happen there? But I will give Jamie Alzano credit for saying, okay, this Trevor Harris thing isn't working for us. Though it's interesting that they've gotten better since all of their sort of star alleged anti-vaccine crew, except for James Wilder Jr., who is not alleged, um, right? Who can have all say it. have all been. Right, showing the curb, they've gotten better, and they look like a team that is at least playing for themselves now, which is something you couldn't have said before. So, that's maybe not a hero there, but yeah, I mean, you look good. They've looked good. They've kind of shown a little bit more, which I think makes the close games a little more okay. That the fact that it's not just a flash in the pan, sort of, they've been terrible for so long. Right, like they're showing a little bit of the signs of life now, and I think this is still professional football. You see it all the time in every level of professional football that sometimes bad teams give good teams a run for their money. Right. And, and how I, and how you get out of it is what matters. The Riders found their way out of it. And I think Edmonton's maybe a little better now than they were a few weeks ago. And I I, I put that on my power rankings. I don't know how the rest of the group is going to vote, but I put them ahead of BC and Ottawa right now. I would, I would agree, 100%. BC looks lost. Ottawa is just a dumpster fire, right? And I mean, we do, thanks to the weird scheduling quirks that are the CFL... We do get to see the Elks twice in the next few days here coming up on both Tuesday and Friday of this coming week. So <laughs> in, I don't have to in, worry about Maction uh, filling my plate on Tuesday night after curling this week. You still um, might want to watch Maction, though, because, I mean... I'm still going to watch Maction. The Elks, it is... the, <laughs> an unfortunate twist for the Elks in their final two games is... The games don't mean anything for them, and they don't mean anything for their opponents either. So Yes, no, so you're, yeah, you're going to see... <laughs> ima- a, imagine is, that having to go is very... It's very Calgary Flames, Vancouver Canucks playing games while the NHL playoffs have already started. (laughs) I'd almost forgotten about that. But yes, you're right. Is the exact same energy. And not to mention going on a real uh, shit road trip uh, to to, on top of it from Regina to Toronto and then back out to BC. Like, it's just it is a bad week to be the Elks. So it is. But and I, I will bring this up again because I've seen a lot of people talking about why is the league making them go through this? They put it to the players. The players voted. They wanted their paycheck. So all of this nuts and stupidity, the players wanted it. So play the games. Well, well, and that's exactly it. And 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 you almost wonder if the players didn't know that there was a solid chance that these were going to be meaningless contests. And you're literally just going out. You're, it's the old Marshawn Lynch line. I'm just here. Well, a modification, modification of it. Of it. I'm, I'm just here, to get here so I'm going to go get paid. Yeah. Which, I mean, with the money these guys make, I don't blame them for not no, wanting to 100%. skip a game check. I do not blame them for that whatsoever. It's just uh, it's just unfortunate for the fan that neither of these games are going to mean a damn thing. No, and I mean, that's why we're all going to be tuning into Maction instead of watching uh, meaningless CFL on all, all over. Although, in fairness, these might be some of the better, some of the better games that we will see just because of the zaniness of, uh, and the way that things go. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and I mean, yeah, and like the Ryder game against Hamilton is still going to matter to a degree because the only thing left to be decided is who is going to host the East semifinal. So, right, if you're the if you're a Hamilton Ticat fan or a Montreal Alouette fan, that Ryder Hamilton game on Friday on sa- on Saturday is very interesting to you. And then, of course, the same for the Alouettes and the Red Blacks because the scenario shapes up right now. Um, Montreal leapfrogs Hamilton if they beat Ottawa, which they should and the Riders beat Hamilton, 
which may or may not happen depending on who goes. Right. And and you and I were talking about this before the podcast. If mm-hmm. if I'm the riders and I think we're we're I know we're both in agreement over this. Yeah. I think Cody Fajardo is sitting at home wrapped in bubble wrap. I mean, like, don't even let the guy... I still think he might take the flight. I think he'll be on the sidelines to help Cody Fajardo and Paxton Lynch, but... uh... And I I thought of that, too, and I agreed with you pre-podcast, but then the thought came into my head. Do you not leave Cody at home because of COVID protocols this year? In the off chance that... The COVID protocols basically mean he's not going to go out and do anything anyway. But that's but that's what I mean though. Like like are are you not at a lower risk of exposure if you tell Cody, "Hey, listen, we need you. Your wife's coming up. Catch up with her." Wink, wink. If you know what I'm saying, giggity, giggity. Uh, and don't leave your house for the next two weeks, right? Um, I, I'm with you. I, Cody seems like the kind of guy who would be on the sideline with Isaac Harks. I, I assume if you left it up to him, he'd probably want to play the game. So I mean, yeah. Because yeah, he's an athlete, and that's what they do, and that's what they want to do. But right. yeah, I, I think number one no-brainer is he should not play in that game. I know there's some debate about whether, you know, I've seen people talking about how he should play because the offense hasn't been figured out. Sorry, the offense is what it is at this point, and him playing a half against Hamilton isn't going to change anything. No, exactly. And all you're going to do is potentially, and, and this is a guy who I still will die in the hill once it comes out after the year, that he's been nicked up for most of this year. Uh, your two most important offensive pieces right now are him and Duke Williams. Let them both sit at home. Also, if I'm I think the Duke, riders... Duke Williams might have played a little bit to kind of ease in a little bit more until that whole knee thing happened, and now it's like, nope. He should not play in that game. Oh, no, absolutely. He should not play. Um, you brought up Micah Johnson, uh, mm-hmm. Micah Tights. Uh, I think they should follow the Blue Bombers lead as well, and all your your Canadian offensive linemen should stay home as well. But, I mean, that is their entire offensive line, basically, so I don't think that's going to happen. I, I, I know. It's just uh, – and, and, and you and I have talked about they are not good this year. If you want – if you, if you want – I mean, they're not – the offensive line isn't great. If you're going to put the guys behind them in – then you're not going to get a true picture of where Isaac Harker and Paxton Lynch are at. No, no. You need to give uh, them a chance to succeed, and that's at least giving them the best protection you can offer. Right, right. And 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 we want to see what the – I mean, we kind I really of want to see Harker... what Isaac Harker can do. Like, I, he's – in the little bit he's played, he's shown some flashes that he can handle what this team has thrown at him, and I really want to see what he can do because – I'm kind of high on the guy from the little bits and pieces I've seen. I think he could be a good quarterback in this league. He just hasn't, you know, thankfully, in a lot of ways, he just hasn't had the chance to play yet. I would like, and and meanwhile, I would like to see what Paxton Lynch can do. Yeah. Uh, just to, just, I'm with you. I think Isaac Harker's going to be a very good quarterback in this league, so I want to see him have a chance to succeed with all the weapons the Riders have, like, in a training camp preseason game where you give them, you know, the A team and let them go run it uh, and everything like that. But Paxton Lynch, all these these guys that that flame out in the NFL and come up here to the CFL, we don't really know what they're going to be. And he's yeah. such a big athletic guy. You know, we haven't, and, we and, haven't and seen him on the... And in his credit, he seems to have been one of those sort of high... I don't, know if, I don't remember if he was a high pick or not. But one of those sort of, you know, draft I think he was pick... was first-rounder. Yeah, one of those, you know, one of those high-end draft pick kind of guys, NFL types... That has seems to have come up here with the right attitude too, and that helps big time. Well, yeah, I mean, you can even tell the guy was, you know, he had photos of the corn dog photos. Yeah. He was going out and eating quarterbacks with. Uh, he's clearly corn dogs. he's clearly up here because he loves the game. He's made his money off the few years in the NFL, and now he just wants to play. 
Uh, first round pick, 26th overall for the Denver Broncos in 2016. So, okay. yeah. And and, and formerly of, uh, believe it or not, I, I'm sure you know this. I didn't know this until literally right now looking at his Wikipedia page because I do research now. Huh? Uh, he was with your Pittsburgh Steelers briefly. Yes. Yeah, I believe he was, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure they could. I don't think he ever actually really saw the field, though. No, no. I'm sure after today he might have got a sniff, though, after that (laughs) terrible, terrible game. But we're a CFL podcast, and I I won't rib you too bad about the chaos that was that Steelers die today. Yeah, I mean, you watch the Steelers long enough, you know that they never make life easy on themselves. And Tom, Mike Tomlin decided he didn't want to win today, so that's that's what happened there. (laughs) Similar to how the Riders haven't made life (laughs) easy on themselves, but it was no. it, It was nice to finally see a game. And in victory formation, instead of with the football going to the arms of Duke Williams, the kick, onside kick <laughs> yes. return specialist. Yeah, and like that's what I said, like the offense they closed out the game. But you know, back to sort of what we were talking about. You know, I think yeah, I think Cody Fajardo doesn't play. Duke Williams doesn't play. Um, to me, I think yeah, we you, you mentioned them. I think Micah Johnson and Mika Tights don't play simply because you know I'm not as we've talked about before this before that not super concerned about defensive guys generally getting hurt in these scenarios but it feels like Johnson is banged up enough every single game that he could probably use the break and I think he's too important to what they do up front to risk that for a playoff game and same with tights kind of in this in the linebacker core there for the year he's had he always seems to kind of get banged up a little bit so he's probably worth keeping at home and I think you probably dress William Powell. Maybe he plays a little bit, but Keenan LaFrance should probably carry most of the load, I would say, in that game. Yeah, I, Powell to me is another guy that you tell him to... Because, I, I, I mean, he... on, a, on a CFL roster, and Craig Dickinson said this after the game, with the, how small the roster is and the, camp, the cap implications for drawing guys off the practice roster or signing whoever, doing whatever, there's only really so many guys who can sit in the CFL compared to the NFL. Right. So some guys are going to have to play, and that's just the way it is. So you kind of have to, you know, kind of prioritize it. And Craig Dickinson himself said, you know, if the decision came down to just me, which in theory it could, but that's not the way he acts. You know, he wants to see the other quarterbacks, but he was going to talk about it with Jeremy Odeves of the cap. And he's also going to talk to the offensive staff to see what they thought. No, certainly. Um, I do think, yeah, I think you got to rest Powell a little bit. And even yeah. let's, I'd like to see some more of Jamal Morrow. Let's yeah, he and, can do it running yeah. back because he was a stud on the returns in that. And he game. was great earlier in the year. And then I guess he got nicked up a little bit and uh, missed some times because yeah, he's he's fun on the return game because he doesn't dick around. He's just, the ball comes to him and he's just upfield. He makes his moves. Yep. He moves. He just he's very decisive, and he goes. And that's why he's worked so well in the returns. And yeah, he could be he could be a fun little sort of gadget sort of back in that backfield where they maybe they can mix him in a little. Maybe they find out that they can mix him in a little bit in some packages and do some things that maybe William Powell and Keenan LaFrance don't do. No, certainly. Um, can you bring back Paul McRoberts from the uh, <laughs> hey. from the practice roster? I, like that's I mean, that's I, what I'm looking at here, and I'm like, like I'm just kind of flipping through the roster here as the guys that he should get maybe I mean, see. None of us have still been able to figure out what they see in Ricardo Lewis, so I mean. No, it's... it's... <laughs> I mean, this would be the game where I'd keep Ricardo Lewis in and put him in that number one spot and see what he can do. But... Yeah. Yeah, like just, and again, I get it, you know, capital implications of practice squad and all the roster rules yeah. and things like that. But, you know, Winnipeg basically put half their team on the one game and just called up their practice roster players and mm-hmm. away they went, right? So it's, uh, yeah, i curious to see what they do. And I think next week's game will be, I mean, we know it's completely irrelevant, but 
it's going to be interesting because that's when I, I think you get to see those guys. Yeah. Step we didn't get a preseason role. game this year, so for, from a rider perspective, that's that's kind of what this is, where there right. are certain guys you haven't been able to see this year because you didn't get a preseason game, then maybe you'll actually get a bit of a look at them under the lights. Right. It was much like Winnipeg and seeing Sean McGuire and, and like those old Trudeau <laughs> attack ads. He's just not ready. That is for sure after watching that shit show of a game. No. And that's... If you're a Bomber fan, which you are, and like generally speaking out there in the, you know, sort of the universe, that's mildly concerning considering how long he's been there. Oh, it's super concerning. And that's why low key, I kind of hope that something happens with Cornelius in Edmonton and he ends up in Winnipeg because like having both Cornelius and Sergio, two of the best named players in the league <laughs> on the same team might be too much for my brain to handle. Right. So I, I and I can tell they you just better not the, the Bombers just better not be coming for Kari Vedvik, though. He's, he stays no. here in Saskatchewan. No, even though he was getting absolutely shredded by Luke Mullinder on the broadcast, eh? Well, I wasn't listening. Why? Because um, his first two punts weren't that great. Like, he was getting shredded by Luke for standing by the heater and st- and and his punts not being great. And he blamed the no yards plays on, on Vedvik. Like, it was just, it was like... I, I I had finished calling um, my high school football game. Congrats, Miller Marauders. That was a lot of fun to call that game. Did you ever figure um, out where that game was being broadcast? Uh, we still haven't figured it out, no. Um, <laughs> you could have just been talking to a microphone to nowhere. <laughs> whatever, funny. I got to I got to talk to a microphone to nowhere, work with a great new color commentator, and eventually I'm getting sent a, a, a PO to do an invoice, so I'm getting paid for my time. So it's a win-win-win, but... Driving back from Saskatoon Minor football field after, you know, realizing I just climatized myself to winter. Yeah, Luke hated Kerry Vedvik the entire time. Like, I was driving from SFMF to Sobey Stonebridge. He, he, he did have a bit of a rough start, but I think he got better as the game went on. But he blamed him for standing in front of the heater. He blamed the two <laughs> no yards fouls on him. Like, uh, it was like, and I, I like Luke a lot as an analyst. Like, uh-huh. I think he's a great analyst. He's honest. He's brutal at times. Like, I'm a fan of Luke and DT in the booth. I always have been. Um, but yeah, he just hated him on uh, on on Saturday. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I, w- I wouldn't have. That's not an angle I would have taken, but it's entirely possible I could be wrong too, right? So I don't know. That's fair. Neither neither of us have played, so what the hell do we know? No. Uh, what we do know is the halftime show now for the yes! 108th Great Cup. Is that what we're up to? You miss a year and you forget anyway. The great, the, this year's Grey Cup is coming up in Hamilton. Um, so no surprise that uh, the band chosen was Hamilton's own, the Arkells. I think everyone could have predicted that a while ago. And uh, I You're don't... also corrected 108th there too, 108th, yes. okay, that's what I thought, yeah. Yeah. Fun band, good choice as far as I can tell. I don't know them from a hole in the wall, but I don't know much about music. Um, but they're, they're, you know, they're popular right now across the continent. And they're local and they're Canadian. They seem to tick a lot of boxes that people like when it comes to Great Cup halftime performances. So other than a few old fogies, this is pretty much a slam dunk, isn't it? Oh, million percent, right? Uh, and and I'm a little biased. Like, I have loved the Arkell since their first album. Like, I've, I've been a longtime fan of theirs. I've seen three of their shows. High energy, great with the crowd. And the big thing with the Arkells that I think is so different, like, we've had some really great Canadian performers lately. Mm-hmm. And, and, like, okay... We've we've broken the f bomb barrier here. Fuck every one of you boomers that's putting up a wall towards like new fans getting in here because I don't like the Grey Cup halftime. I should be BTO, right? Like enough, okay, enough. 
You you you, t- you tell the, the league to go get younger fans. They bring in Alessia Cara, and you do nothing but fill my feed, fill my fill my Facebook feed with your constant bitching about it. So now you go out and get a band that yes, you said it, gas, universally loved, a fantastic live show, great Canadian guys, and the biggest thing to me, these guys give a shit about football. Mm-hmm. Well, you you could tell in the broadcast in the fourth quarter of the game in Hamilton this weekend where I believe the lead singer of the band was in the booth after he already been interviewed at halftime. So they did then did the in-game interview, which is usually, Oh God, here we go. Yep. And instead, while it did take away from the game a little bit as it always does, it was actually the most entertaining in-game interview TSN has done. Right. Cause, cause Max Kerman gives a shit. That whole band gives a shit about football. Like they mm-hmm. literally have a song out called the tie cats are humming. Yep. Like, like they love football. They played the pre... Oh, God. They played pregame at the 2011 Grey Cup in Vancouver. Hmm. And it honestly surprised me that it's been a decade before they've been given the chance to have the big show. They were clearly waiting for, like, the Hamilton lineup, right? Well, yeah. You you had to know it was coming, Mm -hmm. right? And they're a big, fun party band... They've changed their sound lately that they're, you know, a little more poppy. And I'm not going to sit here and robble, robble, robble and hate that everybody, you know, hates on it. Like, I like them. They're a good sound. They're a great party band. And again, the number one thing to me is I can't think the last time that we had a halftime act for the Grey Cup that gave this much of a shit about Canadian football. Yeah. Like, I'm racking my brain here and I cannot think of a single one. And we've had some good halftime acts Mm -hmm. and... It's cool. They're Hamilton boys. They they grew up down the street. They're going to put on an entertaining show. It seemed like my echo chamber on Twitter um, was very much into it, which was cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reaction's been mostly positive, but oh my God, Joel. If you want a cesspool, go to Facebook. <sighs> I'd rather not. <laughs> oh, no, it's worth it. <clears throat> Some of them, somebody actually referred to them as a small local band. The Arkells, as a small local band from Hamilton, because they couldn't book anybody else. That's the kind of shit I saw on Facebook. Ugh. Sounds about right, though, for Facebook, yeah. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, almost everybody loves it. And, and you know it's loved when, like, I think it was, uh, was it Furlan from Piffles that, that tweeted about it? Uh, I, I don't know. It was one of the guys from the Piffles podcast that tweeted about it that called out the over 50 crowd that always bitches about the Great Cup halftime performer. I think it was and Alex. And you know that they're a good pick. Yeah, that was Alex, yeah. It was Alex? Okay, okay. Yeah. So when Alex comes out and says, calls out the over 50 crowd for bitching about it, yeah. they're such a good pick that people over 50 were bitching at Alex about calling out the over 50 crowd. <laughs> I'm over 50. I love this pick. What are you doing, Alex? Like, and of course, there, I mean, you had your few toxic replies, but yeah. it, it was, uh, that's when you know it's a good pick when people are defending the fact that you call them out for being the kind of group that typically doesn't defend a kind of band like the Arkells. It's going to be great. However, it's really going to screw with my halftime routine. Oh, yeah. Like, I enjoy Justin Bieber. <clears throat> I enjoyed Alessia Cara, but to me, they're not appointment viewing. But I'm the guy that's already watching the game, so who cares, right? Yeah. No, exactly. Usually halftime is, all right, I'm going to fill up my drink. I'm going to make sure I didn't have any Subway lettuce. I'm going to get another food, another slice of pizza. 
and I'm going to go back to relaxing and, you know, maybe actually see my family because Grey Cup's pretty sacred that I, 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 you know, if the family's not over, I'm basically hanging out in my basement alone. Um, yeah, this is going to screw that up, though, because I'm going to have to, like, power pee, definitely not eat the lettuce that day, and uh, find a way to get myself beers on the quick. Oh, I'll start training my kids. That's what I'll do. I'll get Max and Connor doing wind sprints to my beer fridge. I mean, your so beer fridge isn't that far from the TV. You get, and the, the performance isn't that long. You like, you know, there's a little bit before and a little bit after. I, I believe in you that you'll be okay. You know what? I got to start training for a beer mile because talk to Travis. He's in. His, he's in, <laughs> he's in for this, Joel. So I got to start training by doing wind sprints in the. <sighs> Again, I make it sound like it's a far distance from my beer fridge to... It's really not. I've, I've, I've seen the distance. I've been there. I've traveled the great distance to grab beers from said beer fridge. <laughs> <laughs> Much like you will be in two weeks again. And we can both make it sound like it's a big thing. Yeah. And you, you brought it up. My only advice to the Arkells before their halftime performance is just don't get the lettuce. <laughs> hey, Jacques Cartier. Show's over. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hero.co.